Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast. Uh, returning is the return of the king. It's me, Chris, joined by uh, the Fellowship of the Ring, Jamie, and uh, the Two Towers, Alex Jones. How's everyone doing today? Good, thank you, mate. Very good. How wow. the hell are you? Okay, yeah, good, good, good. Start on the on the multiple delays well, and Jamie just being quiet and whatever. Jamie, if you want to know, it's be- it's because you've got a ring and Jonesy has two dicks, which are quite tower like. I mean, come on. Uh, okay, I uh, see. I was trying to come up with Lord of the Rings jokes, but I wasn't prepared to be put on the spot. Oh, you know what? I was going to do like a Gimli style thing and my microphone, but you know, I didn't really well, it didn't come to fruition in time. Oh. And then well, I was thinking, they- which of the fellowship would each of us be, and like. Obviously, Chris has to be a hobbit, but then what about the me and Jonesy? And like, Jonesy does that, give off Gimli. Aragorn vibes, but mostly because that's, he sits yeah. in pubs on his own with his head up. That is so. <laughs> that's so uncalled for. That's uh, it's outrageous. Hey, but accurate. I got in there early and called myself Gimli, so I think anything goes after that, right? I'm admitting that I'm the the fat, stocky, dwarf-like character. But I think you're just saying that because of when we did that tabletop experience of all time. Yeah, you were an elven character in that, though, Chris. Exactly. You? So, if, we, be, if, um, if going by that, Legola- I'm, I, is it Legolas? Legolas, yeah. And then Jody, you'd be, yeah. yeah, you'd be an Ranger. Sean Bean's character, maybe. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, oh, fucking what? Not Faramir. Fucking what's his name? It's completely escaped me. Boromir. Boromir. That's the one. Yeah. When in yeah, doubt, yeah. guess a guess a name that ends in Mir. Mir. Yeah. Mir space station. Fellas, it's been a long, long, hot while since we're all in the same house. Uh, I was the perpetrator last week, and I do apologize, but I did listen to the podcast because I am a fan, personally. And you know what? I listened to it on basically a podcasting platform of my choice. It just so happens to be Spotify. (laughs) But hey, you can listen to it on Spotify too, or you can watch it on YouTube, or listen to it on iTunes, or go to Google Podcasts, or uh, Deezer, Stitcher, Weezer, Fleezer. Deezer, Deezer, come, come, are the, Ebenezer. Are these more Ebenezer good. Names? I have no idea. It's, it's possible. Like, um, you know, I'm waiting for the next season of The Rings of Power. So anything can happen is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but it's good to be back in the saddle, as it were. Fellas, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I, I was just saying before we hit that record button that it's been, it's been a hot while since we've, we've actually caught up because coming in for these podcasts, we kind of like, you, you know, we, we, there we go. Jo- oh, fucking what? Josie, what are you doing? <laughs> it just makes him look like his head is the size of that guy from the new Star Wars films. Not, <laughs> and when I say new, I don't mean the new ones. I mean the ones that used to be new. The prequels. You know, there's a one guy who so, sits um, on the, yeah, Mo, the Mo, Is it Modok? I don't know. He sits on the board of the council of the guys who yeah, sit next I, to Yoda. I also love how Josie, Josie just said Modok, which is a, a Marvel character. Anyway... Um, <laughs> But, uh, oh, is he Marvel? Oh, yeah. Sorry, DC. Well, he's, 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 there's got to be an equivalent in DC. Kodak. Well, no, we're talking about Star Wars, really Jonesy. Where have you gotten Kodak? I think this is... Alex Jones. Oh, wait. Are you on, are you, hold on, hold on. Confused. Are you on drugs right now? No. Maybe you should be, Unfortunately not. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should be. Uh, but yeah, anyway, as I was saying, we are available on YouTube. We're available on podcasting platforms of your choice where you get good podcasts. That's usually where... You should find us. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, we're also on some scummy podcast stations as well. I don't know, like mm. Fleabag <laughs> FM, you know, just, just putting that out there. But uh, something that is not scumbag, something that is top shelf, fellas. And you know, they call it top shelf because that's where the expensive shit is. We are available on Paisley Radio, 
That's right, internet radio, paceyradio.com, Thursdays, 10 p.m., repeats on Mondays, 10 p.m., and uh, that's where you will find top-shelf content, like us. Because... I thought the top shelf was reserved for the stuff that was smutty and you didn't want people yeah, to say to see. I don't know if this is a UK, South Africa thing, but here, top shelf was porn. Like, that's oh, where right. The no, but I, I, so I'm thinking if you don't... Alcohol, alcohol and porn. Yeah, because yeah, the alcohol is what I'm talking about. When you go to a bar and top shelf is reserved for all the, the expensive shit, at least the bottles that just have dust on them because no one can afford that shit. <laughs> right. But yeah, yeah I mean... No, in, the, uh, in the UK, hey, it was just... Alcohol in general and porn. Yeah, I mean a little bit of sl- a little bit of smut never hurt anyone, right? Maybe I guess not. It is weird, but to think back in the olden days, they had to read big books just to whack off. How boring is that? <laughs> Nowadays, I just use my telephone. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily a, a big book. Yeah, <laughs> magazines are kind of book. magazines are big books with thin paper. Yeah, but That's just e- the way e- the world that is. Even before magazines, what was it like? <laughs> Lady Chatterley's Lover. You have to read a fucking novel to, to yeah. back off. Like, come on. Yeah, well, yeah. Do, come on. Who, I forget which one of you I was talking to. Was it Jonesy I was talking to about on the podcast about if you go back far back enough, did they have to paint each other porn? Like, legitimately, yeah, they yeah. probably really did. <laughs> they did. Of course they did, yeah. Before they had photographs, yeah. I think um, illustrations, wasn't it? It was like sexy illustrations were all the rave. Yeah. And share around little Mate, uh, I, I reckon drawings. like they'd see like a, a promiscuous looking vegetable and they just jack off to it. Like, I, I just think our ancestors were absolute fucking horn dogs. I, I like the fact it's gone full circle because obviously it used to be drawings and now uh, with hentai, it's, get, it's all going back to drawings again. So, you know. Oh, I thought you were going to go one step further and say, like, well, Chris mentioned back in the olden days, it used to just be a, an oddly shaped vegetable and now we're just sharing emojis <laughs> of oddly shaped vegetables. And that's, yeah. that's all the kids nowadays need to whack off. I'm just going to say yeah. whack of as many times as possible this podcast. Whack nice. Off. I like it. If, if we weren't so lazy with editing, if we actually like did a lot of editing to our things, we'll probably put in a, a whack off counter with a little bit of a ding mm. every time you whack off. Maybe a little bit ding. of a uh, whack off. Maybe ding. a little bit of a moan. A little, uh, you well, know. Hang, hang on. That's not too far. We don't want to turn on the listeners of this product. Or do well, we? Let's do the Pornhub theme. Just that. that, that I, can't, boom, I can never boom, remember boom, it, boom, that boom, bass lick. Boom. There's no way you can't that. remember it. That's just like, oh, oh, what was it again? Oh, does anyone here remember the pull? Oh, oh, I can't remember it. I remember. I know, I know it to hear it, but I couldn't. I couldn't like hum it. I can't. I'm not that good at music. Dum, That's my problem. Dum, 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 dum. It's got a little <laughs> funky kind of. Like it's like that. It's something like that. Yeah, it's something like. Well, that. Do you guys remember something like that? Come on. Do you guys remember I, when I at a... the end of um, ATG lifespan, oh, I, I, I said we should do a <laughs> uh, collaboration. With a, uh, do, do you remember this? I think Jamie, you'll remember this probably. I need to hear more of it before I do. With, with Naughty America, that like in, every time we start a video, we just start off with the, the little Naughty America. Oh, oh right, <laughs> are we yeah. going to do a version of it ourselves, like zoomed in on our lips? Because that would yeah. be disgusting. <laughs> yeah, especially like after we, we've had we've had a, like saucy lunches and stuff. I was going to say I've still got my lunch between my front teeth half the time <laughs> going into the early afternoon, so. All yeah, time no, gaming. Nobody, nobody, nobody <laughs> does it better. <laughs> Turns out, uh, not true. Lots of people did it better, and that's why we're here. Yeah, yeah. Well, for the time being. Um, but yeah, so, fellas, this is, I guess, our... I guess we have to drop the the news, the, the bombshell to the listeners, right? That uh, we are no longer going to be around as a gaming podcast because we're going to be a smut podcast going forward. Yay! 
The yeah? smut cast. Like mm. I reckon there's a lot of money in that, but you know, might be wrong. Yeah, like, probably. Like, yeah, like, I don't. I don't think three um, <laughs> aging white dudes are the ones to do it. I think the, <laughs> the women have got that on lockdown. Yeah, true. I I remember also like ATG days, like wondering, like I, I was just, I was just like ways of making money. It's like let's just put our content on Pornhub. Let's just see what happens. So you know, I've got a feeling not much would have happened. Yeah, yeah. I have the same same kind of feeling. But there we go. But you, you know, know how people cut like they you know, you know how these like people will have they'll talk about gaming adjacent topics whilst they have random footage from games. We could have had our podcast set to random porn films just so uh, just like make it, sure it was in the wheelhouse. Yeah, it's like just us chatting about bullshit. It's like how Leafy used to do all of his fucking like his shit, and then he was doing that like CS:GO surfing or whatever it was fucking called. Yeah, but uh, who wants videos. that? Like Jones, I'll be watching Jones a regular here, film, apparently. and if the if if the male performer in a scene that I'm watching is even five percent more verbose than I'd like him to be, I'm out of there. <laughs> Especially when they're from like Central Europe, and it's just like, oh yeah, and I'm like, come on, brother, like we're in this together. Work with me here, not against me. Keep your fucking mouth shut, unless something's not in it, mate. You've, you're totally off. You're wrong on this one. I reckon there's someone out there who, just as they're about to climax, they want to hear you go, do you know what? Fuck any game that is basically Flappy Bird. And then they're done. They're over. They're spent. They've yeah. exploded all over there. You know push them over the edge. True. I mean, I, I get yeah. pushed over the edge with some of the things that Jamie says, but I got to try to keep it on lockdown. You know, that's why, that's why sometimes it's worth watching the podcast on YouTube because you can try and find the hints of, uh, you know, the moment of... Um, of exceptionalism. Let's just put it that way. Uh, mm. But fellas, hey, you know what? We we haven't uh, devolved into a smut cast just yet. We are a gaming podcast, okay? And as such, I, I feel obliged to talk about games. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think you're probably in the right sort of area. I'm not opposed <laughs> to the idea, but I've heard... Okay. I, I, I did like the smut direction. Okay. That's well, all I'm going to say. You you could keep your mind in the gutter for this one, uh, to a certain degree, I guess. But uh, the first bit of news, fellas, is coming by way of CD Projekt Red, okay? The the infamous studio now, once celebrated, now maligned, and but making a comeback in a way, and then making too many product, uh, projects. On the podcast before, we've mentioned how they've got like, fucking, I don't know, 10 games in development at the moment. Um, but add another one to that, fellas, because they have decided that they are remaking the original Witcher game, which about five people played, in, of all things, Unreal Engine 5. So, yeah, fair enough. Now, the reason why this links to all of that smuttiness is because if they don't have that, like, collectible card game once you bone all the love interests in that game, then I, I think we are riot, quite frankly. Mm, yeah. And we need it in like super high res Unreal Engine 5 detail as well. Like we need to, you know, see the slight creases and folds and intricacies of every <laughs> single card. Some of them might be foils and shinies mm. and he could do an L.A. Noir thing where you hold it in Geralt's hand. Oh, and roll, yeah. Roll his wrist <laughs> around, if you know what I mean. Oh, uh, yeah. You can roll the cards in your fingers if you, if you can yeah. for drift. Um, and you can stack yeah, the cards up and they might get stuck together with some kind of like some, some mm. un, un, unnamed adhesive. Uh, but hey, you know, but let's let's try for realism. Why else would you remake the first Witcher? Do you guys think that this is a weird thing to do? No, 
This is, do you know what? If there was ever a good idea to do a remake, it's a shit game that no one played that you can sort of, but now everyone's in love with the series and you say, do you know what? Let's make that a good, decent game so people can play it before they play the new one. I can't, mm. I'm, I can't, I'm on board with it, but it's going to be one where they have to change loads of it and it's otherwise no one's going to like it again. So it's going to be tricky because there'll be people that say, oh, you haven't stayed true to the original, but that those five people... <laughs> won't be a big enough voice to um, yeah. shout yeah. down the majority who want it to feel like Witcher 3. I, I kind of feel like, Jamie, yeah, you, you, you've you got a differing opinion here. I, I, no, I, the thing is, I agree with Jonesy on the difficulties, but I think they, they make me err towards the side of this is a very unusual project to kind of to take <laughs> on board. Because on the one hand, Jonesy's absolutely right. Like The act of actually remaking The Witcher 1 is really difficult because you're going to have... As much as we joke about them being five, there's probably more like, you know, in the hundreds of thousands, maybe even low millions, I don't even fucking know, piracy is a thing nowadays, of people yeah. who have played and appreciate The Witcher for what it is on for what it was and want some kind of semblance of that to be kept in the remake. But then Josie's absolutely right that the most accessible way of remaking a game like that for a mass market audience is to go further in the direction of The Witcher 3, which was, you know, made not just with consoles in mind, but launched across all consoles and PC at the same time, which was a yeah. first for the series at the time, as crazy as that is to think. Um, and like, I don't know which audience you try and satisfy, and I don't know who ends up, you know, which which crowd ends up shouting loudest in that situation. <laughs> I also just think, and other series and franchises have ended up in this space before, but it's just a weird thing in terms of the chronology. Is that the right word to use in this context? I don't yeah, know. Sure, yeah. In terms of... Like, let's say you are trying to onboard fans into The Witcher. So they're playing a really up-to-date version of The Witcher 1 on Unreal Engine 5. They then have little to no way to play The Witcher 2. <laughs> they, they can, let's say they crack, crack own the a Xbox home console. 360, yeah. Right, exactly. And then let's say they're a PS5. They can then, I guess, hopefully by that point, play the next-gen patched version of the originally PS4 game, The Witcher 3. And then what are they being prepared for? Like another trilogy that is like followed, like is, is a spiritual successor to the <laughs> Witcher trilogy. Like the, yeah, there's stuff here that doesn't make sense in terms of, I don't think there's any real thread here in terms of onboarding players or preparing players for the future. I just think it makes sense to product product out to say like, Hey, this is Geralt in terms of like video game Geralt's first ever adventure. See it like you've never seen it before. And I think that's basically <laughs> all there is to it. Okay, but is there? See, I'm in two minds about it, fellas, because I like I do agree with your points, and I think that yeah, the way to the way to do it to bring it up to a modern audience is with modern sensibilities. But then, is that effectively them just taking the story of the original Witcher, but then just having the gameplay of The Witcher Three? And if that is the case, then surely that's not necessarily in keeping with the spirit of doing something like that, right? Like. Yeah. It's it's more like a transplant than its own kind of like iterative thing. But, what, you know, I think I may be getting the wrong end of the stick here because while uh, CD Projekt Red is making it, they're also not making it. They are handing over duties to a Polish studio called Fool's Theory where veteran Witcher series staff are involved. So, and, and I was wrong in my opening of this. It wasn't another title to be added to the amount that CD Projekt Red announced, was it a month ago now? It is actually confirmed to be um, the game that was announced as Canis Majoris, or at least teased as Canis Majoris in the previous kind of reveal. So first of all, 
I don't know about you guys, but I, I I'd maybe have cold feet about handing over um you know a, a remake duty to a company called Fool's Theory, perhaps. <laughs> not not the strongest start to a project that hasn't even taken off the round yet. I don't, that's just me. <laughs> no. Just, In just fact, saying. I think the only weaker start a remake could have is handing it off to a team called Bloober Team. But by the way, just to chime in on what you guys were saying last week about Blue Team, I was with you. Like, for all intents and purposes, to me, I was like, yeah, Blue Team, they're fine. Like, not exceptional, but like, they make decent horror games that, you know, I can play because they're not that scary, I guess. And yeah, they fuck around with things. But then I started delving into that like rabbit hole of like, why are people pissed off with Blue Team? I don't get it. And yeah, it, it, it seems like there's a lot of kind of like fair, fair criticism, I guess. But yeah. anyway, weird. I, anyway, I just wanted to kind of like chime in on that. But yeah, I, I, are you guys, would you be excited? I mean, you you both liked, played, enjoyed The Witcher 3. Is mm. this something that you guys would want? Well, personally, uh, yeah, I'd, I wouldn't mind jumping into an earlier iteration of that game. But, but you know, with like Unreal Engine 5 graphics and stuff. It's But I mean, Jamie did say it made a good point in that it's kind of a weird prospect unless they're going to do Witcher 2 as well and sort of like give you that so that you can play all three of those games in that trilogy. I'd I'd Um, imagine that's the way. Like as soon as I heard this- They're going to have to, right? Yeah, as soon as I heard this, I just thought like, in a way, I feel like um, Capcom have opened up the floodgates for something like this, right? Where they very successfully remake, um, okay, maybe not the original Resident Evil, but Resi 2 and then, hey, Resi 3 and now they're doing Resi 4 and it's getting a lot of cash. And then all of a sudden, everyone with the fucking trilogy in, in their belt kind of look at it and say, hmm, I wonder, you know, we, we've done half the work already. Let's just fucking, is, is it, it's a way almost for companies to print money as long as it's a beloved mm. series and they know that they've got buy-in from fans. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost ironic with Witcher because obviously it's not a beloved series in that sense. It's like a beloved game. And then, uh, yeah. the other, and then yeah. the, because everyone jumped it jumped into Witcher Three, it seems, and like the, the pessimist or like the the mo- the more negative kind of voice inside me looks at what Jonesy's just said and cross references it with this announcement. It's like this is suits or bigwigs looking at money on the table and saying, "Hey, this is a franchise or a series that's bigger than it's ever been. That means we can go back and essentially like rework old material into." Um, new money, uh, as it turns out. <laughs> Nintendo. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, but yeah, every, I guess like everyone, everyone does it, and and yeah, like, uh, and the funny thing is, when studios don't do it enough, as we weirdly ran into with Konami uh, last week, people get angry at that as well. So you're damned <laughs> yeah. if you do, and you're damned if you don't. I think for me, and, and a lot of this is also going to have to come down to timing. I, I need to know what that core Witcher trilogy that CD Projekt Red is still working on actually, you know, evolves into, and how much DNA it shares with the uh, with the trilogy that we've had so far, and whether it is a sort of a pretty direct continuation. And if so, like, does this kind of fit into that in some way? And also just timing. Like, if this is a thing where this, I, I don't want to, you know, jump the gun, but if this thing's ready, maybe not next year, but the year after, whereas the next fully you know developed in-house CD Projekt Red uh, Witcher game is like two years after that, then, okay, cool. We get a one-off standalone Witcher story that I've never played before to fill the gap. And I'm not going to say no to that. Yeah. And I guess that that's a good point, right? Like 
In terms of the scope of these games, obviously, Witcher 1 is smaller in scope than anything that they've got in the pipeline. So, it's, it, yeah, it could be a case of like, we can develop this and this can be the stopgap <laughs> while we just fucking wait to finish like the world's yeah. biggest fucking games, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Stopgap gaming. Stop I, I just I just played like three four hours of the Last of Us Part One today. Like that was a stopgap. That was like a bunch of people at Naughty Dog didn't have anything to do while Neil Druckmann was writing up the script. So like let's let's do this, I guess. Yeah, true, true. Okay, well, fellas, the Witcher train doesn't stop at that station. Okay, uh, it it goes a little bit further because we we got some sad news indeed. Um, and not from the gaming perspective of The Witcher, but the Netflix series of Witcher stuff. Because Henry, Henry Cavill has announced that he is stepping down from his role as Geralt of Rivia following the end of season three. He did confirm a season four, but that uh, Australian actor, heartthrob, hunk, slab of meat, Liam Hemsworth, will be taking over the role. Um, Can we refer to him as not, not Chris Hemsworth? I mean, yeah, effectively, Yikes. right? Like one of the hem, one of the hemsies. Hemsworth I'm torn too. on this one. I'm torn, right? Because when I heard Henry Cavill was going to be uh, Geralt, I was like, the terrible casting. That's going to be awful. He was brilliant. He's so good as Geralt, um, and I'm really hopeful that this is going to be the same case. But in the on the other hand, yeah, yeah. this is not this is not Chris Hemsworth, um, and I don't think, uh, I, yeah, the limited stuff I've seen him in. I'm not blown away, and as far as I can tell, he's blonde, and that's how he's got he's got the role. Well, yeah, I, I'm 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 dubious about it myself. I, I think like while I found the Witcher series to be fine and entertaining, what really kind of elevated it was Henry Cavill's involvement. Um, not not just like creatively, but like acting in it, and I I think like if I look back at those two seasons and you remove. Henry Cavill from it. I don't know if I like it. Do you, do you, like, just be honest. Yeah, I'm just being honest. I, I really liked the first season. I thought the first season was, as someone who like, really enjoyed The Witcher 3, I thought the first season was like solid, well, like uh, fit well in with that that game. And then season two was still enjoyable, but it was far more into like the politics of the world. Mm. And I wasn't quite as into it as much, but it was still good. I still enjoyed it. Um, so I'm looking forward to season three. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll have to. Well, we'll see. We'll see how season three goes, and then uh, reflect yeah. on how season four is going to look. Yeah, so, it's sorry, Chris. No, no, go ahead, Jerry. I was going to say it's, it's especially interesting for me because I have never seen a single episode of The Witcher. You haven't? So, oh, wow. no, okay. no, I've never seen it. And so, do you know what? Where I'm at with it, I'm still at where most people were when those first ever screenshots came out or those first images came out of Henry Cavill in the full outfit and with the hair and thought, that doesn't look right. That looks like that guy who's Superman wearing a weird white wig. Like, I don't believe this <laughs> at all. And as someone who, outside of a few clips here or there, has never seen, like, even, like, an uncut minute of him, you know, embodying <laughs> that character or delivering dialogue or yeah. acting cool or even just staring menacingly down the barrel of the lens, which I, I gather he probably does. I would imagine there's a lot of brooding looks um, and, and piercing yellow eyes. Um so when I hear this, I'm like, oh, they're swapping one generic action star that I didn't buy as the role for another generic <laughs> action star who I still also don't buy as the role. Um, yeah. And I gather the thing, the thing that I'll acknowledge is I gather that I, my, my early thoughts and I did like 
preconceptions about Henry Cavill's capacity to fill those boots were wrong. And that, you know, as Chris just attested to, it's one of the most uniquely positive things about the show so far. And so that's great. Um, but it is it is funny for me. It's like, oh, I, yeah, no, I didn't think Henry Cavill would be any good. And um, I was wrong. So maybe I'm wrong again. Yeah. I think the thing that Henry Cavill had going for him, and this is good for winning internet points, which then lends itself to you know positive discussions around the show and his involvement in the show, is that he clearly was um, a legitimate fan of yeah. that world and of that character and of the games. And I think he kind of, over the course of his journey um, with The Witcher and as Geralt, you know, spent more and more time getting more and more invested in uh, the, where that show went and how it handled, you know, those characters and those stories. I don't think that's a level of expectation you can set for every actor that comes into a role. And I, I also honestly don't know mu- how much it has a positive or ne- negative impact um, on, say, Liam Hemsworth's capacity mm. to, to to do the job. But, yeah, I will just say, as someone who's never seen, you know, Henry Cavill in his element, it is funny. It's like, yeah. That oh that white guy I I know him yeah fair enough yeah I I think the one thing that maybe Liam Hemsworth has going for it is he's not as hench as Henry Cavill I I, I do think that Henry Cavill as, as Geralt was maybe too muscular mm. he's just a stocky dude right can I um, can I make an, another thing like, this is maybe going to sound a little bit like fucking like why is Jamie saying this but I'm just going to say it anyway there's Henry Cavill's one of those dudes who, a bit like we've had this discussion about The Rock before, he's so big and he's so built that there's almost like a sterile quality to him that I know is weirdly appropriate for Geralt as a character, but it's like, I can't imagine Henry Cavill being romantic. Um, and And while witches, by their nature, aren't necessarily emotional people, Geralt likes fucking. Like, Geralt <laughs> likes to, to swing it about when he gets the opportunity to. And I don't imagine Henry Cavill, because every interaction I've ever seen Henry Cavill having with a woman is very like, oh, yes, quite. Like, you you know, there's clips all over the internet of like people like Amy Adams, like throwing themselves all over him. And he's like, oh, yeah, Henry Cavill. I built a PC once. Have you seen it? Um, Whereas like Liam Hemsworth, I think Liam Hemsworth would dick down a fucking hooker in the same way that Geralt probably does uh, at the end of every yeah, adventure. Fair. So that's fair. I'll give him props in that. I think Liam Hemsworth is a more of a and again, I'm not I was gonna say use the word romantic, and I acknowledge that Geralt isn't by nature is romantic, but again, I'll say it again. Geralt loves dicking down birds. Um and, you, and, and you're I saying Liam, Liam is a, Liam is a Dicksmith. More so than Henry Cavill, yeah. Like if you told me Henry Cavill was a virgin, I would believe you. I know that's crazy, but I would <laughs> I, believe you. I, I, I don't know, dude. I, I think I think Henry Cavill fucking just breaks women oh, in half. I think he can have whoever he wants. And I think people throw <laughs> themselves at him incessantly. But at the same time, if you told you say me... he just doesn't he'd portray like, that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, he's like one of those um, like asexual, metrosexual dudes who's like, yeah, I don't fuck. I look like I know, this I know, I I know exactly. It's funny. I know exactly what you mean. He seems like he's a, he's like a big nerd in a, a big tough man's body. Mm. But he's still very much of the... Uh, when you see him in interviews and that, he's a bit nerdy. He's like a bit of an English gent. He's always, he reminds me a little bit in that sense of um, uh, like Tom Holland. Like he, whereas Tom Holland seems like a, ner- a nerdy little boy. Yeah. Like Henry Cavill seems like a, 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 like a geek who you're like, how does he get women? And then you look at him and you're like, okay, he's a good looking lad and he's, he's hench. Cool. But I will say in the series, he kind of has a bit of Geralt's energy when it comes to like the women's situation. Because whereas I can imagine Liam Hemsworth like smarmily sliding up to a woman at a bar and, you know, like chatting her up. I think Henry Cavill's Geralt is much more of like a, Tris, 
take off your take off your pants and lie on the bed. <laughs> like he's one of those. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's just it is what it is. He's got a, he's there. He's a, he's a witcher, Jamie. He's got a job to do, and if his job's fucking or killing monsters, he's going to do both yeah. with the same yeah. look on his he, face. He, he's definitely a dom. He's definitely a dom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's but he's, he's, he's going to rub some ointment on his uh, on his weapon, no matter what the situation, and he's going to oh, go to town. God, there Jersey. we go. There we go. Very nice. Good. Yeah, very okay. good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough. <laughs> Um, okay, we, cool. I mean, yeah, we just, we just what started the conversation about the, the casting of the Witcher talked, turned into uh, three men discussing which actor fucks more. This, hey, 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 this guy, this guy this fucks. Guy. I mean, Liam Hemsworth is <laughs> is the, is a crazy enough motherfucker that he went back to Miley Cyrus after <laughs> she went crazy. Like she started getting her tits out, and he went, "I'm I'm all for it. I'm back in." Who wouldn't? I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, am I kidding? I'm, I'm all over it. I'm all about it. <laughs> well, other people who are all over it and all about it are our patrons. Did it, did it, Segway. That's, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, head on over to patreon.com forward slash, slash super show. Patreon.com forward slash <laughs> super show. Sorry, I just got to re educate myself just a little bit on, on how to talk in sentences and structures. Uh, but yes, thank you. Thank you. For as little as $2, you get access to our Discord server. There are some additional things if you want to pledge a little bit more money that are there waiting for you, such as uh, what... Hold on. Oh, my phone just shut down. And my headphones just said, Pixel 5 disconnected. So I got confused. Ooh. I do apologize. Ooh, there we go. Um, but yeah, we've got some Let's Plays. We've got some behind the scenes. We've got some... Uh, Patreon exclusive podcasts. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash super show and show your support, much like these fine people whose names you can see on screen right now. And I do, fellas, have some names to verbally praise for the good job that they're doing in helping keep the super show dream alive. I am, of course, talking about Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Bill Caesar, Brimstone, Cole K, Crow's Perch. I snort rock salt, Jesper Camdahl Nielsen, Leo Merger, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Pastors Guild, and the big boys, Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Doppler, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Reed, Manuel Guerrero, and Peaswad. Thank you to each and every one of you. Week in, week out, you are our guardian angels, our patron saints, as it were. So thank you from the bottom of our heart. And, um, yeah, cheers to that one. Just gonna sip some Thank you, guys. Now. Appreciate it. Thank you all so much. I'm doing one of the round of applauses that people do in our calls at work whenever someone achieves something good. That people do this and they put their hands. Oh. I'm making a circle for anyone listening to the audio version of this oh. of this show. Do you know what? I don't mind. I don't mind the round of applause joke, but that knowing that you do it on your team calls as like a regular thing. Uh, oh, it as rubs like a, me up the feature. wrong way. Yeah, feature. Oh, uh, Jonesy, yeah. how else would you congratulate someone for their woo of the week every Friday? You oh, know, we got woo, woo of the week. Yeah, it sounds a bit more smutty than it actually is, but it's just like someone on our team did something great this week, so let's celebrate them. It's nice. Oh, that, it's not that they've wooed someone that week. No, again, yeah, it sounds like yeah. So, so it literally sounds like way. like my son's like reception class where they get stars for like. You, you, oh, well done. You got a star because you listened really well in class today. Well, it turns out, Chris, from four to 14 to 14, not much changes in the dynamics of 
team building and keeping people together and keeping groups motivated and engaged. At least stars not the techniques they tried to use. Yeah, I'd love more stars, personally. Yeah? And demerits. <laughs> you know, demerits. When I first heard the word demerit, I didn't know it was a word, and so I thought it was just Jack Black being racist. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, oh, was that from School of Rock? Yeah, because um, he's looking at the board, and people have been awarded... Uh, gold stars and black circles. And he goes, what are these uh, little circles here? And uh, the one, a black kid in the class goes, demerits. Um, and, uh, and Jack Black goes, well, while I'm here, there'll be no gold stars and no demerits, okay? And I didn't know that demerit was a word. I thought the word was merit. So I thought the black kid was saying demerits, like they are merits. And wow. Jack Black was going demerits to like copy him. And I was like, oh, that's a bit racist. That's... Um, <laughs> That's A A V E abuse. Was it African? <laughs> no, but they there are there are merits and demerits, though, aren't they? Because a merit is like a good thing, and a yeah, demerit is like a bad yeah. thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. saying I didn't so, know that, so right, I, right, that's right. why I misunderstood the nature of the conversation. Uh, and I thought Jack Black was mocking a black child's accent because he was going demerits, like the way Ice Cube kind of would. Demerits, yeah, but, but but you see, he can't because he's got he's got black in you. the name, so. You know, Does that give him a pass? Maybe. I mean, I don't have it in my name, so I can't say, you know. Um, you are <laughs> right. African. But you know what I can say, fellas, is the uh, the games that I've been playing in my absence. Uh, I'll just very quickly run through them because there's nothing too interesting here. But I've kind of gotten on a bit of an, an indie kick lately. Uh, but I'm also kind of too stingy to buy new indie games. So I've just been playing back some back catalog stuff. Uh, Lou Piero being one of them, uh, still enjoyable, and Vampire Survivors as it's hit uh, version 1.0. And I can tell you that version 1.0 is not much changed from, I don't know, <laughs> what the fucking previous one was, version 0.79, just like maybe an yeah. extra item or something. Still a fun game, but I I, I think i got to take around the back of the shed and shoot in the face with a shotgun at the stage. You reckon? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I played it a couple of times this week, and I'm like, okay, I can still use this to kill half an hour. Yeah, I, it, it all it all started funnily enough because I saw and read some previews and re- well, not previews, just reviews of a game called Dome Keeper, which sounds right up my alley. Where like you've got this, you crash land on a planet, and you've got this dome, and then creatures periodically come and attack the dome. But then you go and um, you dig underneath your dome to get resources to level up your dome and the defenses, etc. And this nice little kind of like interplay. Um, I wanted to play that, but then I just couldn't be asked. So I just did Loop Hero. I did Vampire Survivors. <laughs> uh, and then I played one game of Dota because uh, the International has just uh, been running and I just got the, the Dota itch again. Uh, got absolutely trounced. Haven't played in nine months and probably going <laughs> to wait another nine months to play it. But besides that, <laughs> fellas, I want to say as well, a, a little bit of a, a catch-up or a previous catch-up of my own, which was I finally finished watching Everything Everywhere all at once. Now, if you recall, was it like uh, a month or so ago, I was watching Everything Everywhere all at once because it came out on Amazon Prime. And I had to stop halfway through and go back the next day to watch it. And the next day, it said, oh, yeah. It was gone. No, it was there, but you had to pay for it. And I was like- Yes, I mean, mean it was gone from from like Prime Street. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to fucking stand for this. I'm not going to buy this. I'm not going to pay money just to watch half a film. I'm like- I'll find alternative ways of <laughs> watching this. And I didn't. 
Okay, and I just put it off, put it off. But then last night I had a brainwave. I said, let me let me try and log in to my Amazon Prime account as a different user and just search it again. And lo and behold, it fucking worked. And so I don't know what's what went on. It never came off, did it? It was on there the whole time, I guarantee. No, no, no. Even oh, tri- so it was cri- it was just Chris being a like an idiot. No, there's no, there's no there. shot that that film was on Amazon Prime for a week. They then took it off for a month and then put it back on. No, no, there's, no, there's something even stranger. Okay, so last night I logged into my my account. Okay, my profile on Prime and it, everything ever all at once buy or rent. And I was like fucking hell. Went to a different profile. Okay, different user profile. Searched the thing and it was there and it was free. So we finished watching it last night. Okay, great film, really enjoyed I, it. I've I've got it, and I've just checked. It is on Prime for me. Everything ever always okay. Ever once. Yes. So so after I watched, I think Jamie's right. No, no, no. listen, listen. Just fucking, <laughs> could you just wait? You asshole. <laughs> you get to the point. I'm trying to, but Mr. Fucking Mr. Jones, there is interrupting you. So I went back to my profile after watching the film, and I'm like, I, I don't understand what the fuck's going on here. And I searched for it. Inputs it in the search function, and when you search. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Two entries come up for this fucking film. One of them is free and one of them is buy or rent. So I don't know what the fuck they're doing and how they're fucking programmed or whatever it is. But when we watched it and we paused it and obviously has like, you know, when you you go away from something, you come back, it's like, oh, pick up from where you left off. And it's there on the user interface. It was there, but it said buy now or rent. So... It's fucking- so primes it primes oh, interface yeah. is not very good oh, when you're like in a series horrendous. and you're trying to catch up and you're trying that's to find the-, the last episode you watched. It's so messy to try yeah. and get back. That, to that's the most long winded explanation for just yeah. Prime videos UI is a bit weird. I've yeah. ever heard. I'm just saying. You know, you, you say that, but I'm it's better getting- than that, Jamie. Because it took him, t- it took him two months it, to I, find yeah, his way I, through the an, UI to get another, the. I've got another question with the piggybacks on the two month gap. Did you start from the beginning? No. How okay? Oh, I think I would have started. I would have had two months. Now nah, you see, when it comes to started. films and and one of the TV best shows, reviewed films of the year as well. It's all in yeah. No, it's all in yeah. All mm. I did was like went back like <clears throat> maybe five minutes in the film just to kind of like get that 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 velocity back into it, you know. Right. But yeah. No, no, so you probably watched it on two times speed as well. You scumbag. <laughs> no, I, no, I didn't. I to be fair, I didn't. No. <laughs> I don't even know if you can on on Prime. Uh, but yeah, that's me, fellas. What? What about who? Who's who's gonna bring up the first uh, catch up? I'll, I'll go because I I've, I can keep it quick, and I actually uh, Jonesy's got far more interesting uh, things to catch up. Oh about. Yeah, yeah, I'll just say that following last week's chat about the campaign, the Modern Warfare Two multiplayer um, has now well, not just multiplayer, the entire game has been released. Yeah. So been playing some of that, been getting my shit pushed in more than I ever <laughs> have done on any Call of Duty, perhaps ever. I don't know if that means anything to anyone, but. That's just, I'm speaking my truth. Um, and the other thing I played a little bit of, because I just feel like I have this weird draw of like a weird need sometimes to check out every weird free-to-play app that comes out in the, as an extension of a like a known or familiar franchise. Like I did it with Gears Pop and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I've been playing some Marvel Snap. Um, okay. And speaking of The Witcher, um, this is just, um, what's it called? Oh, uh, uh, Gwent. <laughs> Yeah, Gwent. Uh, Marvel Snap is Gwent. It does. It turns out, <laughs> except with Marvel characters. Um, um, and and do you know what? I will just say for anyone worried about it, 
it doesn't seem particularly insidious in its monetization or its pricing or anything weird like that because fundamentally um the the the, the only thing you need is cards and they don't sell the cards so they only okay. sell cosmetics so, so it, if anyone but, wants a card battler then that's really similar to Gwent and easy to pick up yeah. and play there's Marvel Snap I guess but are you are you enjoying it <laughs> I mean it's become the thing that I my thumb moves towards when I pick up my phone <laughs> aimlessly <laughs> Um, which, you know, I, I think it's pretty high praise, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I don't bad. know. It, it's, I, I doubt it's going to stick with me. You know, as mm. you know, my experience has been with lots of these types of games, I'm just kind of fascinated to see what's being done with these licenses and how they're being handled and um, whether or not they're absolute abhorrent abominations. I do it sometimes too. Like, you know, when you're on Instagram or something and you get an advert for it's like, oh, you're moving forward down a lane, and if you run through this barrier, there are 10 soldiers, and if you run through this oh, barrier, yeah. you get... I love those. Yeah. And every now and then, I'm like, is this app real? And so I type it into the app store, and I'll download, like, the top six results, and I'll play... Th- and, like, turns out those games do exist. They're all just really weird. Um, yeah. Do, yeah. So uh, I, I found out something really fascinating about this recently, is those ads that you see... Because you know there's that, there's that one where it's like a guy that's standing there and there's treasure and there's a monster and there's lava. And lava you, and water. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you and you pull the little thing, the pins, and then depending on which order you pin them, you like fuck yourself over or you get the treasure. And you now see trailers for those games going, this is the actual game that we've seen in the little adverts with the man. Yeah, so many right. Of those so so the, reason, the reason because of that is because I found, there was an article I was reading, I don't remember where it was from, but there was an article that says, was saying those ads are for games that don't exist per se, okay? And if yeah. you go and download that game, it's not actually the game of what you're doing. But what, what they're doing is they're using it as a proof of concept for a future game that they may want to develop. And they're gauging right. interest okay. through social media, but then tacking it onto like a similar-ish game, but not really. That's so yeah. weird so, and ironic though, because then it puts you off clicking on the advert in the future, no, thinking, oh, this game isn't oh, real. Yeah. So even when like, they do actually make the game like and release legit- it. Legitimately, fellas, on Twitter, whenever I see those things, I love just reading the comments on those like promoted <laughs> tweets. Yeah. Honestly, do yourself a favor. They are so funny. Like the, they, these companies get ripped into, but they don't care because ultimately you see the video, you're like, yeah, that looks like a little bit of fun as a mobile game and I'll just log into it and let's try it out. Yeah. The, the one, one of the ones that I downloaded, Chris, was one of those, you know, pull the bars out the way, the lava drops onto the, And yeah. the way it worked is it was essentially a Clash of Clans inspired like town builder and town management thing <laughs> where every now and then you went out on these expeditions and that was like the mini game for the expedition. Um, and they were all completely rotten with ads. Yeah, it's not even yeah. the uh, microtransactions. It's almost like they need, they don't want people to spend seventy nine p with their time in the game. They want them to watch five ads because they almost like they know that's more attainable. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, because because it, yeah. it is because kids will do that. Kids will. Oh, do my that. my kids are awful for like what playing those games, and then they, when the ads come on, they're like, "Oh yeah, I want to play this game," and then they'll tap it, and they're like, "And I'm like, <laughs> stop touching the ads. You can't. That's not a game. It's not a real game. You're not gonna get to play it." Yeah. But then I think, like, what's the point? Like, they haven't got any money. They can't actually put like put any money through anything. The, so the, why the these, point I don't is know why these ads exist, mate. The point is that all the malware that your mo- your mobile device is now infested with, with yeah. like, not mine, not mine. My wife's is all good. <laughs> Fine, fair Smart. enough. Um, but Jamie, go back to your Modern Warfare Two, um, yeah, extravaganza, <coughs> shall we say? You're playing. You're playing on PlayStation, aren't you? I am playing on PlayStation. Yes. Okay. 
Um, That's interesting. So. Because if you had said you were playing on PC, then I'd say maybe there was a bit of an issue because there was some news saying that Modern Warfare 2's multiplayer has the toggle for crossplay disabled on all platforms except for PlayStation. So if you're playing on Xbox, yeah. as an example, you cannot say that you don't want to play crossplay. You're just kind of like, well, you fucked because you just have to, which is a really kind of like bizarre omission. Yeah, and I, I'm not really sure like what they stand to gain from having it on on one platform and not on the others. I, you know, if I, I doubt it's at least unless. It could be indicative of the fact that the PlayStation player base is the only one large enough to be entirely sustainable with no crossplay, but that sounds yeah. unlikely for something that sells as well it, as Call it, of Duty. It just sounds like an oversight to me than anything else, right? I mean, hey, it wouldn't be the uh, only oversight in that game right now. I'll put it that yeah. way. Could, what, 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 yeah. Could it be to do with licensing? Because like PlayStation obviously is, is its own ecosystem, but then with Microsoft, they want Xbox and PC get players to be able to play against each other. Could it be something to do with no. licensing where... Microsoft it, it, said it could be, but it's not. not but it's not fair, right? Because then you you're you're putting um, controller players versus mouse and keyboard players. It's just yeah. yeah. Plus, there like is a, an inherent Microsoft. handicap there. Yeah. Plus, like the ecosystem thing on the PC side is spread because this is the first. Like now, Call of Duty is on everything. Like it's all fully on yeah, Steam you, now, and it's yeah. not just Battle.net and you know obviously their deal that might see it show up on like the Microsoft Store and Game Pass in the future is still a long way from bearing any fruit in that regard. Um, yeah, I, it's yeah, a weird what, one. What, what are the other oversights, Jamie? I like oh, rip, in, rip into it, man. I, I fucking live for this stuff. Nah, you know, you know I don't even have that much to rip into it. Like, I think people at this stage can kind of admit, no matter where they are in the process, that there is something of a cycle to Call of Duty, which is a new one comes out, you get upset, you point out all its flaws, you know the the map design and it has a t like a benefits campers and you know the the kind of the visual recoil and the way they've tried to adhere to some some sense of realism and the way the guns fire lends itself to kind of like uh, 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 the uh, lots of gunfights being obscured in the way that um, in terms of the visibility of your opponents during them um, people the kind of things people always usually complain about uh, various balancing um, spawns. Uh, Little things like um, skill-based matchmaking is often a big conversation amongst, you know, some hardcore players. Another thing, for example, is bunny hopping kind of got nerfed between the beta and now, which is also a big deal again amongst hardcore players. Um, accusations of them catering towards sort of the lowest skilled or the most sort of like casual of players, um, which then negatively impacts the most hardcore players. <laughs> and the most hardcore players are the ones that are the most vocal about it on social media. So you end up in these really weird sort of cycles of, Here's a game that sells millions of copies and millions of people are happy about it, but all you ever hear are the 100 or so loudest people who are the least happy about it. And it just ends up being a bit of a cacophony of fuck -ery and mess. <laughs> a cacophony and, of fuck, I like it. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and as someone who's kind of between, like in the exact middle of all of those things, like the exact middle of casual and hardcore and the exact middle of caring about SBMM and bunny hopping and so on and so forth, but also does have issues with some of the maps and whether they lend themselves to to camping and and various strategies that may be more viable than others. Um, I'm just kind of playing it, and it's like, it's another Call of Duty game. And that's all it was ever going to be for me. Uh, yeah. I think the campaign is solid. We talked about that last week. I think this multiplayer will be fine. Um, they better yeah. hope it is, because <laughs> this is the first time 
in the modern era of Call of Duty, they're banking on a multiplayer lasting two years. So, yeah, they've got to pull their finger out quickly if they do want to get things spot on. But it's just, yeah, it's COD, man. And I know you're you're counting down the time until December, what should we say, December 26th, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, when the, the when the newbies come on the Christmas newbies, when when Alex Jones wakes up on Boxing Day and says, "I'm going to put my Modern Warfare Two disc because uh, I'm a disc boy and I got a physical copy for Christmas and I took oh, all yeah. the wrapping off and I'm putting it." And there was literally a tweet uh, I saw earlier today, um, and it was um, the the video component of the tweet was uh, a compilation of Conor McGregor's backstage uh, Vince McMahon yeah. walking, you know, wearing his tightly fitted suits and sunglasses, and he's in mean mug and he's doing the walk. And the, the 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 text of it was like um, me logging into Modern Warfare Two to absolutely destroy some plumber who's just worked his ass off on his nine to five and is logging in to relax. And like sometimes that is what it feels like as a fucking no life twenty nine year old man child who still buys and plays hundreds of hours of Call of Duty every year. Um, and then, and then, yeah. you never you're never going to get anywhere near me though because I'm not touching that multiplayer with a bloody <laughs> ten foot barge pole. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm, yeah, you will. Come on. No, I, I never play the multiplayer. No, I never play the multiplayer. I always play the campaign and I play Warzone and I don't go anywhere near the multiplayer. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, no Jonesy. Point. I'm with you, Jonesy. There's there are, no point. There are co-op missions this year. I haven't tried them yet, but oh, if you okay. you and a buddy okay. want to saddle up for some, for some so, co-op, there's that. Just, just remind me, what is the what is the plan with um, Warzone? When's it launching? Warzone two. Warzone launches, I think, in about three weeks. Um, okay, kind of mid November. Like, I'll be honest with you. I've got a big itch to jump back into some Warzone for God knows whatever reason. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's punishment, it's be I guess. But yeah, yeah. Well, you say that, but like all, all signs point to this version of Warzone being very different. The map and how it's designed seems very different. Like the gameplay structure and the gameplay fundamentals. Things that some people didn't like because they were a departure from battle royale norms, but became the Warzone trademark. Like loadouts, they're yep. gone. Like you, you won't have me shouting at you every match, being like, <laughs> "No, you have to, you have to get overkill first, ghost second. Because it would just be like more like PUBG, I guess. Like pick up your guns, get your attachments yeah. in in check, and go out and kill people. So it's going to be interesting to see how it does. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them not fuck up a new map. Or or wait and see how long it takes for them to actually fuck it up. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully not before <laughs> DMZ. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And Josie, what, what have you been tinkering with, playing with in your time between the previous podcast and now? Do you know what? I So I was torn last podcast um, because Gotham Knights was coming out and I'd, I'd ummed and ahed about whether I was going to get it leading up to um, its release because we'd seen some kind of questionable stuff. We'd seen some more positive, I think, trailers and things released come out just before it came, it dropped. Um, and then the tra- the reviews came out mm. and they were terrible. Yeah, they didn't, they uh, they didn't they hold were back, a lot, right? of, a lot of them. No, a lot of them. A lot of the places that I like to frequent for reviews really didn't. Um, hold back they were pretty damning on how bad Gotham Knights was but then I was saying to Jamie before the podcast I then happened to see a couple of reviews that were sort of came from a different angle so I thought hey let me jump into some Gotham Knights so as of now I'm about halfway through I think I'm like 12 hours through um, uh, Gotham Knights at the moment decent that's a, and I've got to say it's a big chunk of time Jonesy it is it is and 
it's, it's been really interesting because if you read the reviews and you see what a lot of people have been saying about this game, I would say that my experience of it so far don't fit that well with what I've read in the most critical of the reviews. Mm. Um, it's a hard one to sort of sum up without talking about Arkham, um, as you'd probably expect. In the first instance, I'm quite impressed with the storytelling aspect, with how they've set up the story, the way that they frame like the death of Batman um, and how they get the story on the go. That's actually, A lot of it is actually quite interesting when it comes to um, DC kind of comic book fair. And I've, I've been really into that side of it. I'm surprisingly so. Uh, the whole story is effectively set up where, where Batman dies before you even play the game. And then you're then trying to track down the last case that he was investigating. Um and try and figure out how he got himself killed, basically. And in so doing, you then stumble upon Freeze, uh, Harley Quinn, Clayface, and a couple of other um, well-known characters from the DC universe. Yeah, and it's it's pretty solid. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. There have been some nice little set pieces. What I was genuinely surprised at how good it was and how um, enjoyable it was. There's a scene. There's a sort of section where you chase Clayface down the Gotham streets on your race on your bat cycle. And it's like this amorphous blob, like going down the road, smashing cars and throwing bits of pavement up. And it was, it was completely serviceable and was enjoyable and was a nice set piece. Um, Jamie's laughing. Tell me, I know, no, I, know. I, I, I would implore you to tell me more about how serviceable your 70 pound video game was. <laughs> it wasn't 70 quid at all. Um, I think I got it for 55 Oh, bargain. You can get it for, I think you could get it for 45 from Amazon as well. I think it was. Was it Amazon? I think it was Amazon. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's a difficult one. I've I've enjoyed my time with it, which is why I'm still playing it. I'm not playing it because I want to like see how bad it gets. Like I genuinely have just been enjoying it. And um, uh, it's one that's really easy to jump in and jump out. It is It is 50 pounds on, on Amazon right now, yeah. Yeah, it's it's it is a weird one because obviously it is going to feel like Arkham because it looks like Arkham, but it is not an Arkham game. Um, a lot of the ideas that Arkham had around that I actually found kind of frustrating, like where Batman was supposed to be the you know this invisible fear character who would you would never get. Well, the idea was that you wouldn't really get in a toe to toe fight with people when you didn't have to. You would use like all your gadgets and you would you know, construct this um, playhouse where you would make people blow up from one side and then trip mine over another thing and you disappear into the floor. Like, this isn't that. This is, for most interactions, you can take out a few people silently and then you jump down and you have a brawl and you're just like going toe-to-toe with people. And each of the four characters actually feel very different as well. And you can, re- and it, you can, you can sort of, it's, they're not just reskins of each other with like slightly different weapons. They do feel different. They do feel weighty in different ways. Red Hood's like use of his weapons, his guns, um, like are his focus, and some of the others obviously have different, you know, their different distances of combat and stuff that they preference. And it's it's quite fun. In the whole, it is quite fun. It does have some in the issues. Hole, yeah. Some, like, wow. yeah, in the whole. It does have some issues that I think are the reasons people are sort of saying that it's not um I think the things that have rubbed people up the wrong way, the wrong way, and that it doesn't really push the boat. It doesn't sort of push any boundaries. It doesn't do anything amazing and spectacularly in the sense of world design, in the sense of how you interact with the world. There's a lot of repetition um, in the where you're going and doing these premeditated crime settings. Like there's be people in a in a house that you've got to go and beat up to stop them planning a robbery they're going to do, for example. And you'll do three or four of those, and then you'll be like, oh, this seems really familiar. 
and they'll, <laughs> you know, you then have sort of the different factions as you'd expect. So you have like the mob guys or the freaks or the regulator guys and who all have different sort of like maybe the regulators have like electricity elemental attacks, the mob have like machine guns and then the freaks have like baseball bats and like riot shields and stuff. And that stuff's all fine. It's all very video game. It's all very like, these guys are different, but similar. These guys are different, but similar. There's a lot of that, as you can imagine. Um, From what it sounds like, there's a lot of, this is fine. It's it's like, it's like a grudge. It's like, it's like like a fucking, what's it called? Like, uh, like a grudge fuck, right? Like. No, a little, a little bit. A little bit, but then when you get to the sections where you then you actually go and battle, uh, so there's a section where you go into Blackgate Prison and Harley Quinn's in there and she doesn't know Batman's dead and she's like, "You've got to come down here, bats, and you've got and come and get this, uh, do this thing for me." And she, there's actually a nice little section there where you go in. It's completely different, and then you're fighting inmates and she's this crazy, you know, she Harley, she's Harley Quinn, she's absolutely mental and she's um she's getting you to um chase some inflatable pig balloon through the prison while she sets off a riot and it's all like really so there's some really nice little touches so the fight like the battle of Clayface as he's yeah. trying to get through the city where you go to Blackgate Blackgate prison you've got to fight um or freeze goes and sort of uh, steals a load of stuff from this cryogenics lab they've put some really good little set pieces into it um and to mix it up the I think my issue with it so far like halfway through is there's not enough of that to balance out the drudgery of the open world and how kind of it's a bit dull. Am I to glean from the way you're sort of like praising some of these, say story missions and these moments and these set pieces that seem to largely still involve the game's traversal uh, in the case of the Clayface chase or the game's combat in the case of the Harley Quinn sequence that you think the traversal and the combat are good. The combat. Uh, n- no, like the, so the traversal is, um, it's hard. It's hard to even like put it together. So the, the I didn't particularly enjoy the car sections of Arkham Knight. I didn't think they were particularly yeah, great. Um, the the driving mechanics around that weren't great, and it, but it was again, it was a way of getting around the city, which was fine. They've done a similar thing to this, and that you've got the bat cycle, which is actually more fun, I would say, than the car. Um, it's in so far as not more fun. It's more in the sense of like it's more serviceable in so far as it does what it needs to do. It gets you from A to B. It's really easy to implement. It's effectively like, they've oh, you've got a cloaked motorbike that no matter where you are, you push up on the D-pad and it just appears on the road next to you. Yeah. Plus, because it goes at 10 miles an hour, there's no chance of you ever missing a turn. <laughs> oh, it is so fucking slow. But, okay, but they've, they've added like speed lines. So when you're driving, it's like you're going really fast and you're like, but I'm not, I'm barely moving. Um, but to be fair, you don't, I think the, the bat cycle is more of a, I've got to get from A to B before I've unlocked all the fast travel points. Cause as soon as you've unlocked the fast travel points, it's basically redundant. And next, I saw a lot of criticism of people saying that you can't unlock the, the secondary traversal mechanics for each character until you've done 10 premeditated missions. And, and a lot of reviewers were going, this is outrageous. Mm. It takes so long to get through that There's just that to get the traversal. Stuff bullshit, right? Exactly, yeah. The night, the nighthood challenges. They don't take long at all. Like that's basically it's like play the game and you'll unlock that stuff. You don't have to worry about grinding it out. They don't take that long. And the idea that you have to get someone was complaining that you have to beat up thugs to get information to get the premeditated, and they were like, "Oh, it's so difficult." It's like no, if you just play open world games like you're supposed to, where you just play around in the open world, you just stumble upon these things. 
they're not they're not difficult to do. So I've unlocked the secondary traversal mechanics for all the characters, which is which is weird. I will give you this: it's weird because you have to do ten premeditated crimes per character. Yeah. So, so you have to do total. 40 <laughs> and you also have to do the timed, the, the, um, uh, it's like a timed attack tutorial, but you have to do it four times. You have to do it for each character again, which do, is like, why? So the same I tutorial over and over again. Think, it's the same tutorial four times. I don't think 40 side activities in an open world, even if that is total across all four characters, to unlock their secondary means of traversal is an unreasonable thing to complain about. Especially in the game where their base levels, their base means of traversal seem so dysfunctional. The base levels of traversal aren't that dysfunctional. They're in they're they're quick. So this is because this is what I found weird as well. People sort of complaining about them. But actually, so the main traversal mechanic I've found is the fast travel, which you you unlock quite quickly. Like it's not, you know, it's a bit annoying to do. You have to scan these stupid drones. But once you've done it, the fast travel is so easy. The world is not that big. It doesn't feel that big at all. Like um, Gotham doesn't feel that big. But you've got the the grappling hook is so forgiving. It like will launch you like a little attach like a hundred meters away to a building and drag you a hundred meters across the map. Then you hold X and it launches you up into the air and you just do the same thing again. And you can like zip across the city like pretty darn quick before yeah. you even unlock the secondary traversal mechanic, which is kind of funny because people are complaining about it going, this is the main way you get about. It's like, no, it isn't. The the, <laughs> the way that Batgirl sticks her little cape out and does a bit of a glide is so much slower than she's using the grappling hook to just like go grapple, bzz, grapple, bzz. <laughs> like, yeah. The, the, but the, no, the, I think the grapple sounds like um, Spider-Man swing where they're like, oh yeah, copy my homework, but just change it a little bit. Right. But no, but you. So there's one over. There's one thing that you do definitely feel if you play this game is that they maybe didn't know what they were doing in, or didn't know where they wanted to end up. Was it going to be a four player co op where you had to all be playing at the same time and mm. you would pick one main that you would level up so that it doesn't matter that you have to do the same thing to unlock you know ten premeditated, premeditated crimes. Problem is when it's a single player game, you want to play as all the different characters. Yeah, yeah. And so you end up. So I've now ground it out grinded it out through 10 through four different characters 40 different missions and it does start to get like a bit like long in the tooth yeah, of the, why am i going out again to do i mean this? The, it, it does seem that there was some i don't want to say serious but like a, a fairly significant kind of like scope um realignment of what they what they planned and what they wanted to do so yeah i mean it's, it doesn't ring all that surprising but yeah, like the I, crafting, I, like crafting stuff's fine. It's it's kind of redundant. It feels like you're basically just making different suits that look cool in different ways. And the actual realities of how they function, you don't really notice. Um, they'll be like, "Oh, now you're power three hundred, whereas like an hour ago you were power thirty, But the game doesn't feel any different. It just, <laughs> you just look different. So again, it's like a it's a loot game. But is it really a loot game if it doesn't feel like it's really making much of a difference? Um, you know, you know if you you know you play a single player sort of story game where you want to the story is the most engaging part and the yeah. character section is the most engaging part, but they have to fill it with game, otherwise it's going to be super short. <laughs> that is what I think Gotham Knights well, effectively is. So, you, so you said you're like twelve hours through, and you you reckon you're about halfway. I think I'm about halfway. Yeah. Okay, that's that's not bad. It's a decent amount of time. Anyway, Josie, let, let's let's move on to some some other news items, shall we? So, but I'll, I'll, when I finish it next week, I'll give an update on what I think of the game in its totality. Should, should we have bets uh, if you if you finish it or not? Sure. 
I think if Trinity could do 12 hours in a week, you can finish it by this time next week. I just kind of wish I'd played some of it so I had more of a leg to stand on when it came to arguing with Jonesy. So I'd, 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 there are things I'd love to argue yeah. about, but I can't. Because this was the I know, go on. The, the, the I, want whole, I want to hear one of the things. That, but, but this was the interesting thing about seeing Jamie's reaction to a lot of the things you were saying, Jonesy, is Jonesy's played it. Jamie, that's that's what that's why I didn't say. That's why I didn't say. It. No, the only thing I really pulled the face at, even having not played it, was that Jonesy. I can't. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth because I, I can't remember the exact adjective you used. Did I but say? You, fine? Did I say it was fine? No, you used a positive adjective when comparing the way the bat cycle functions in Gotham Knights to the Batmobile in Arkham Knight. And I don't need to play Gotham Knights to know that I disagree with you. <laughs> It's, it, the bat cycle is better in this. In this, better in the sense that um, to go from A to B on the bat cycle, what one good thing about it being a bike is that they basically send you through. You can go. Um, it kind of sends you anywhere. Like it will go. Oh, this is the this is the quickest way. So you just go under this and round that and through that and jump over this. Whereas I always found that the the car in Arkham Knights was like was a weird addition that they put in that they then forced into levels in the game. I you, you're, that, you're comparing apples to oranges. You're comparing the traversal of the bat cycle to the puzzle solving of the Batmobile. No, but I feel like the, the Batmobile in the in Arkham Knight was then because they'd made it. They felt like they needed to for for the traversal. They yeah, felt that, like they that, needed to that, force that, it that into may well be true, but that doesn't game. mean the bat cycle's better just because it's not used in missions. No, no, not 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 better. I'm saying that the overall feel of the two of the two things in the two different games. One uh, where I'm at. One of them made me more frustrated because okay. it was like you have to use it here and here and here. Whereas the other one's like you don't even have to use it if you don't want. Like you can just I, if you don't still, want to touch the bat I still don't really side, think that tackles have. the nature of the uh, the comparison we're making, but I do kind of get what you're. Uh, you, you know, what, Jamie, I, I, you, I, you just got to buy the game, mate. Just got to buy the I, game. Jonesy, one more question: Since you've started playing Gotham Knights, have you seen a side by side comparison of Gotham Knights and Arkham Knight? Uh, yeah, I have. Yes. Okay. That's all, <laughs> Your Honor. <laughs> what, uh, you mean like gra- like visually? <laughs> oh. Visual Every, tone, atmosphere, yeah. graphics, performance, everything. Yes, yeah. Okay. There is, it's, that's 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 one thing actually that I didn't I didn't think was as bad as what I was assuming based on what I'd seen by the comparisons. Like, because a lot of people are like look how great Arkham Knight is, look how shit Gotham not Gotham Knights is. Mm-hmm. But actually, when you're playing the two, it feels like Gotham Knights was much more um, stylistic and trying to have a certain look and a feel. Whereas Gotham Knights feels like more like an just it's an open world Gotham game. It doesn't feel like it's trying to be an Arkham game. Whereas Arkham was super stylistic and super kind of comic booky and almost and, Tim Burtony like, at times. Ex- exactly, almost Tim. Burton. Whereas this is, they're like, no, this isn't that. This is a more realistic Gotham, and it's just like buildings and and, and roads. It's not supposed to be Tim Burton. It's not supposed to be super stylistic. It's ju- it's more of a realistic kind of Gotham. Right. But I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. They've gone a different direction. I can't really criticize them for going a different direction. I can criticize them for the fact that it doesn't f- feel anywhere near as it should, given how the time that's passed between the two, like through look, frame <sighs> rate, and stuff like that. that that's one, one thing that drags it down. That yeah, does like- drag it down. Yeah, I don't need to have played Gotham Knights to say that like that this is the end. This is where we've arrived at after years of waiting and the uncertainty surrounding the future of like Batman games and Arkham games for one of with you know uh, uh, this Rocksteady is being tied up with other stuff. What's super weird is if if this had released alongside Arkham Knight and two and people have played you know different people play both at the same time and then I think people legitimately easily could have had arguments about. 
you know, oh no, this is better. Oh no, that's better. And they could have brought up different areas, which is ridiculous when you consider how the time that's passed between the two. Oh, I yeah. See. Okay, yeah, yeah, I see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind <clears> of you, damning you, one, in its own way. One should be so far, like Gotham Knights should be so far ahead in, in so many ways. Yeah. That there was, they're beyond comparison, whereas there's just oh, not beyond comparison. Seven and a half years. Seven <laughs> and a half yeah, years. Yeah. Which is, which is bizarre. Like, it's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jamie, I'm glad you brought up uh, Rocksteady because you heard that um, co-founders Sefton Hill and Jamie Walker are leaving the studio. So, yeah. This is kind of a weird one, right? So they, they came out and they said, uh, they released a statement and the statement said, with Suicide Squad killed the Justice League nearly finished, they both decided to leave Rocksteady at the end of 2022 and we be- will begin a new adventure in gaming. So... That man, that's that. That will be so interesting to play Suicide Squad totally. after yeah. playing Gotham Knights. I cannot do, wait to see what that's do, like. Do you know what? It kind of reminds me of uh, some of our conversations about Rockstar, and mm. we have all this weird thing of like, oh, what do Rockstar look like? You know, without this person and that person, and without the houses and without Benzies, and what's the impact on GTA Six? And this is going to be another example of like, is this? The lead, the, you know, the 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 heads of a studio leaving because the project, you know, is. But like, of course, they're going <laughs> to say it's nearly, it's great, and suddenly finish it's in safe hands. Those are things you have to say. But <laughs> where's Suicide Squad really at, and how far yeah. away from release is it, and when will we see gameplay, and, and well, who's going to like kind of see it home? And <laughs> well, according to Rockstar, uh, they say now with Suicide Squad in safe hands and the team here stronger than ever, it's time to hand over the reins and try to start a new adventure together on game. Sorry, that was the the um, the statement from Seth and Hill and Jamie Walker. So they're saying like. The game's not finished. How, it's in how safe much hands, of it, you know? But how much of that is buffer zone, so that they can get away from it? So when it comes out, that they can go, "Hey, man, we'd left." <laughs> like, it's, right, it's exactly. Not, because not if, if the game's nearly finished, just can stay and reap the rewards. Like you have your right, name, yeah, fuck yeah. it. Like be like, part of that, like process of promoting the game. But then again, they're kind of stepping back at like a time when it's almost done. It, it, it's yeah. yeah. Like especially because I like I don't know how those contracts look, but like your co-founders of the studio, like there might be some bonuses on the line. Like there might be a sales milestone bonus or a Metacritic bonus. Just like, yeah, like get it cross over the line, make another one of the you know critically acclaimed hits that you've always made. Well, made since Arkham Asylum and onwards. <laughs> um, you know, like like Jonesy said, like you know, win your awards and you know take your plaudits and and then move on. But to be like, yeah, we've spent the best part of best part of eight years developing this game and we're going to leave just before it comes out. Like, there's almost like yeah. a, I don't, I don't want to be like conspiratorial, but there's almost like a, did they leave of their own accord or was, uh, was there some behind the scenes? Hey guys, we've played the game. You need to leave before it comes out because uh, yeah, then I, you can say it wasn't your fault. Then we can blame you for it. Then, you know, I, it, it's kind of hard though, right? Like I think if you're talking about like, let's say, a creative director of this singular title and they leave just before it comes out, then you could kind of like maybe be a little bit more certain in your assertions as to why they would have done it. But these are like the heads of the studio, you know, the whole enchilada, as they say. Yeah. And, you know, heads of studios kind of weather the storm, as it were, through good games, bad games, and all the games in between. Um, it's just it's just curious timing is all I think. 
<laughs> very, it very is, curious. It could, it could also be that, like, you know, coincidence is a hell of a thing. And, you know, you look at sort of, like, the game development and how the sausage is made. And I don't, we don't know enough about Rockstar, Rocksteady, excuse me, and how heavily involved Sefton Hill and Jamie Walker might be in the day-to-day of things. Yeah. Like, yes, they're studio co-founders, but... In the case of like Rockstar, we talked about that for the houses meant that they like wrote and directed some of those games. I don't know that Hill and Walker like wrote or directed Suicide Squad. They might have just been overseeing um, yeah. the studio and overseeing. And that, the team. that might have been. And that, that might have been pushed out of their role as well, right? Oh no, no, I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. I'm no, saying like I, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm. What I'm saying is like they might have gone to a point where they didn't feel that they were contributing anything to the company. Oh yeah, anymore. Uh, yeah, especially in a big game where like hey, what if most of the creative decisions have already been made and the fundamentals of the game have been laid and the blueprint's there? And what if the last 12 months has been technical stuff? What if the last 12 months has been like optimization and bug fixing and doing this, that, and the other? And they have just been sat around saying, like twiddling their thumbs, being like, got to be really cool to like start thinking about what's next, and we can't. And then all of a sudden, like another opportunity comes in where like someone, you know, someone with a big fat check to write comes in and says, Hey, if you two start a new studio with me, um, yeah. I'll give you this much money to like with have carte blanche for your next game. And they go, actually, we do want to do a startup again. And we don't want to be, because the other thing about Rocksteady is I'm pretty sure these two have been there the whole time. I think they founded the company. Not everyone who fought, you know, founds a studio, I think inside the last 20 years wants to also be the co-runners of a studio that has hundreds of employees. Like these things happen naturally over yeah. time, but just because you started in one place mm-hmm. didn't doesn't mean you wanted to end up in the other. It's like we started this now. If like it's the three of us, it's not a business. If this were a business, like if if in if in twenty years time we were co-running a studio with three hundred people and, that, and everything that entailed, and someone said, "Hey, how do you guys want to leave and just start another podcast?" and here's a blank check check to do whatever you want with it, we might say, "Actually, yeah." Let's go back. Yeah, Let's yeah. be creative again. Let's do something new. I don't want to manage. That's good. I don't want to want to do. I don't want to worry about HR for three hundred people anymore. <laughs> that's a that's a fair point. And uh, you know, to Hill and Walker's like, um, I don't know what the word is, but like <clears throat> to their fuck. What's the word? God, my mind is turning into mush. They they have uh, in their joint statement said that they whatever they do next, uh, they will be doing it together. So it's not like. You know, they just decided, nah, you know what, just spend time with our families or whatever it is. Like, no, no, they want to do something. They're going to do it together. And uh, yeah, could be interesting. Yeah. Could be really, really interesting. For sure. I um, did just look it up. So, so Sefton Hill apparently directed Suicide Squad. Okay. Um, but interestingly, um, the one of the writers, Kim McCaskill, who was let go in 2019, said that she asked to have her name taken off the project because of like bad, bl- bad blood. Um, and the fact that, yeah, there was a load of stuff that came out apparently about the development of the game that wasn't great Yeesh. back in 2018. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. I will Paul say, yeah. when it's all yeah. said and done, I'm still really looking forward to that game. I think it could be very interesting. I think Rocksteady, like, but put it this way, the Gotham Knights has reminded me of Arkham Knight, and Arkham Knight has reminded me how, in some ways, ahead of their time, Rocksteady have been um, in their sort of like post-Batman arc game development sort of story um, yeah. and I really hope they cook up another hit yeah it would it, the, the weird thing is like they're at the, it's at the point though where I don't want to see another I don't want to see like 
an Arkham spin-off, I want to see them do something just as amazing as the first sort of yeah. time I've it doesn't, played I mean, Arkham it doesn't series. look like it in the bits we have seen, right? It doesn't. It looks more yeah. like a four-player co-op Sunset Overdrive. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. it really does. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which then, when you think about that, is like, how does that work? Like, how's that going to feel to play? But hey. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, it's like Jamie was saying, like, you, you need a studio who is kind of ahead of the curve, right? To be able to mm. potentially even hope to pull off something that sounds as absurd as that. It's actually kind of weirdly ironic as well, because say, like Gotham Knights, I think, wouldn't have had the bad reception it's had. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think that game's bad. I don't think it's particularly particularly good. I think it's like a, a, a decent superhero game, but it seems to be so much worse because of how good uh, Rocksteady made the Arkham games and like the last one they made was eight years ago, which is amazing that you're still under the shadow of a game that came out so long ago. And even though you make a perfectly, you know, fine game, it just doesn't seem that great because someone did it so much better like <laughs> years ago, almost a decade ago. Yeah, well- so, oh, Jody, yeah. it's, always, it's always tricky kind of like taking a uh, a property and handing it over between studios, right? And um, mm. maybe none more so than the potential for a new Metal Gear Solid game, or rather a remake of an old Metal Gear Solid game to be a new Metal Gear Solid game, because there have been rumors swirling around that a Chinese studio, Virtuos, are remaking Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater. Jamie, as the resident Metal Gear head, as it were, what do you? What's your take on this? It's funny. It's been so long since Metal Gear has been a thing that even I don't feel like a Metal <laughs> Gear head anymore. Like, I don't know. Um, <coughs> Joe, I, 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 if this does end up being the case, and I think there's plenty of reasons to believe that the reporting around this is accurate, I think this is a perfectly logical step to take. I think. I mean, look at what Konami did last week with Silent Hill. They came came out and they said yeah we're going all on Silent Hill again and that means this that and the other and whilst yes there are new entries being made the headline you know takeaway from last week's Silent Hill revival <laughs> was the Bloober team are remaking Silent Hill 2 and you know that was what they put the most energy and effort and emphasis on and I think that's what makes sense for Metal Gear Solid as well like you don't have Kojima I very much doubt that Konami and Kojima are going to be in bed with one another ever again so no. for as long as that's the case don't try and fake any Kojima bullshit. Don't try and do your own Kojima bullshit. Rely on the bullshit that Kojima's already given you and you still own the rights to. Um, and do you know what? Like, the, Does it make sense to jump straight in and do Snake Eater like first on its own? Not necessarily, no. but at the same time, like if you're going to pick one out, it's, hold on. it's a fan favourite and it's... A, yeah, but does it make sense? It, like, well, and you, you, You're going to have to correct me here. Not but as Kojima intended. Sure, not as Kojima intended. May he rest in peace in life um, and stranding. Um, no, but in terms of the chronology of the story, doesn't it make sense to start here? Yes. yes. So if they're, if they're, but, then if, like, but then if we were but, doing the chronology of the story, like nothing would make sense because the first handful of games would be like three and Peace Walker and a remake of five, which was actually the last one. And then you'd go back through like the Metal Gears themselves and <laughs> you'd have to figure out whether or not like portable ops is canon and there's a there's a bunch of bullshit. Acid, in, in acid the, mate. It's all about Metal uh, Gear Acid. The lesser the lesson of acid the better. <laughs> but look, remake Metal Gear Solid 3, those games, you know, would be I'd be very interested to see what a gameplay revival, a gameplay kind of rethink of those would look like. 
I think there's lots, um, as we've seen with the Pachinko Machine debacle, there's lots that can mm. be done to the art direction, the style of that game that can lend itself to some really cool cinematic presentation. You know, reworking Kojima's eye for directing really um, uh, intricate and um, action movie-oriented cutscenes. I'd love to see that brought to life for the current generation of consoles. This could be really cool. I don't know anything about Virtuos and how well positioned they are to do it. But if, yes, if Konami got back in the business of Metal Gear, this would be amongst the most sensible ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So uh, so a recruitment video recently surfaced from their Montreal office seemed to show a book all about the art of Metal Gear Solid, fueling speculation that the studio are working on a Metal Gear Solid remake in some way, shape, or form, which, you know, these weren't rumors have been swirling around for, I don't know, multiple years now, if anything. Um, apparently, multiple sources from within the company um, last year revealed to VGC that the studio had the license to remake Snake Eater, and another source last year also claimed they were working on a AAA action-adventure remake but didn't mention the Metal Gear franchise name. So, <clears throat> you know, could be... I think it's all it's all rumours, isn't it? It's all speculation. But when you get, like, you get, like, decent sources saying the same things multiple times and kind of confirming, and then you get something... The recruitment video is quite funny, if you see it, because it's one of those things where it's like, you didn't need to have that book there. Like, <laughs> you could have just moved it. Yeah, and, and it's easily could have been an oversight. Like I've worked in offices where you're editing and you've got this and you've just got something sitting on your side. And hey, maybe some, maybe this person was just a fan of like Metal Gear, but is it? No, yeah, or is nah, it like you, a you, I see, I, carefully placed? I, I'll be honest, like having had to make recruitment videos, uh, especially recently, fucking sometimes the shit that is on people's desk is, guess what? It's the shit that's on their desk and it hasn't been placed there and it hasn't been thought about. And it's like, sometimes shit just fucking appears. And sometimes not, you know? Like, fucking hell. It, it, it is a weird thing, but much like we said with um, Sinai Hill, there's, um, there isn't fire without a bit of smoke, right? Yeah. And um, it's interesting that VGC are kind of like the point of reference for a lot of this stuff because when it came to Silent Hill, VGC basically were batting 100 throughout and got everything correct down to you know the Bluebird Team remake of two to add to Anna Perna's, um involvement in the independent yeah um, take on it and so on and so forth. And Andy Robinson, who I think is the editor in chief of VGC, tweeted something really like when the Silent Hill thing happened, he like quote tweeted his article about Konami and he was like one down dot 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 yeah um, and yeah. so. The VGC, as they as it goes, are still very much on board with their own reporting and suggest that more Metal Gear in Castlevania <laughs> is still to come, which I don't have any difficulty believing. I don't no, think Konami I'm, do what they do for some. I'm Hill on board. Like leave the rest. Yeah, Konami have always been um, revenue focused, as all companies are, but mm. them particularly, it would seem. Uh, you know, pachinko machines and all, but it would seem that like they. If you open up the possibility to a Silent Hill 2 remake, then you're opening up the possibility, the inevitability even, of a Metal Gear Solid remake and maybe not remakes in Castlevania, but additions to Castlevania for sure. It's, it, it's to my mind, it's just a matter of time. It's an if, not a, it's a when, not an if. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I agree. Agreed. I agree. 
Yeah. Ah, right, fellas. Well, if there's nothing else that you want to add to the crazy world of <laughs> upcoming video game development, because that's kind of <laughs> where, we're, where we're at in the news cycle in this, you know, <clears throat> at this time of the year, then oh, I think it, it's it, time it, that we bid adieu. This, uh, so you could almost go so far as to say that right now is the uh, video game news equivalent of fim- Fimble Winter. Uh, oh, wow. Everyone's, okay. just, everyone's just waiting for the big apocalyptic event around the corner. Yeah, which is literally just going to be the release of that game. And I can't fucking wait. <laughs> um, have you guys pre-ordered it yet? I have not. No. no. Um, I haven't either. It's one of those things that, like, I, pro- I, will, I will technically, but I don't know. One... This is going to sound like a really dumb thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Once you realize that there's no difference between um, a pre-order that's made at 11.59pm the day before the release and a pre-order that's made 11 months before release, then you kind of <laughs> like stop pre-ordering. Because it's yeah, like... Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 98% digital now anyway. What's the difference? Yeah, exactly. You and, know, and you just want, the you want that pre-order bonus. And exactly right. I think that's what I did with... Um, the the previous God of War, funny enough, is I think I pre-ordered it like well, I think it was within the pre preload window. And then that was it. I was like, yeah, done. Mm. It's like fuck uh, it. How 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 do you think you it uh the game is going to because this is it, it's kind of rare for all three of us to jump into the same game pretty much on launch day. How do you guys think it's gonna work into your schedules? Um you know, we've had like you know, The Last of Us 2, it kind of mm. took us probably two months for all to kind of reconvene on that. I'm not sure if it's happened yeah. since then. It's yeah. Have, they, have we got an idea? Have they said how long the game is yet? Is it like... I think they just, they just said it's time. bigger than, than 2018, so... Oh, okay. Make oh, it that wow. what you will, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to think I can get it finished in a month, but if it's bigger than 2018, then maybe, I'll be, maybe that'll be punchy. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to do some real work if I'm going to... Fucking work my way through it, Jamie. Because I want, it, I want to say that I want to say it was like 30, God of War twenty eighteen was like thirty hours, was it, or twenty five hours, or was it not that long? I, I thought it was, I thought it was like thirty to forty. No, I think it was only thirty to forty if you did everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I nearly, I nearly hundred percented it. I'm pretty sure, but I didn't. So, and I think I, I think I was probably there for about twenty five hours or so. Uh, if this is going to be like thirty five hours to finish the campaign, then uh, yeah, I, yeah. I reckon. Maybe looking at how long to beat Chris. Yeah, so I've got it here as main story, 20 and a half hours. Main and sides, 32 and a half. Completionist, 51. All styles, 32. So <laughs> I usually I usually follow the all wow. styles, personally. Um, I find that That's to right. be a more accurate representation. Because look, n- no one plays a game these days just focusing on main story because just the way that games are kind of structured is you always veer off into some of the side stuff. Now. Yeah. You know, you talk about completionist, you talk about going up against all the fucking Valkyries, which is a fucking big task, you know? Oh my God, yeah, um, that was awful. And it was also that fucking, what was it? Not Was it Niflheim? Was it... Um, there were... Helheim. Was Hel- Helheim was the one with all like the different challenges around yeah. like the hell-like environment. And yeah, but then which was the foggy one? was the that maze. Was the, the maze, yeah. The foggy maze, yeah. Yeah, like... Where like you, you were like collecting like a resource and you had a time limit that... Like and you had to go to this like big treasure area and like spend yeah. the resources you were collecting. Yeah, but I reckon if you take those two things away, you've probably knocked out ten hours relatively easy. You know, depending yeah, on like, how, I, depending on how good you are at the game, I guess. 
Yeah, I, re- I remember complete like not being at work that week. I remember completing the story like fairly quickly. Like I, I, I that game came must have come out on a Tuesday, right? And I, I had the platinum by the time I got back to work on the Monday. Oh, so, Jesus. But I, I but I want to say good of all twenty eighteen. I, I I think I did a couple of eight hour sessions. Like yeah. I was. I but also, like stop. to get to get the platinum doesn't mean like you didn't beat all the Valkyries to get the platinum, right? I did. No, I did. It oh, was did. all. The, it was all the side missions. It was all the Valkyries. It was both of those two kind of optional realms. It was all of Odin's ravens. It was everything. Wow. Uh, but I wanted to. Like I couldn't stop playing that game. So yeah. yeah. So but if you if you did eight like... if you did eight hour play sessions to get through according to this completionist of fifty one hours, it would have taken you six point three seven five days. I mean, yeah, that that lines up. But I I didn't do eight hours every day. And I, I don't think I'm going to... I know it's only been four years, but I don't think I can do eight hours for this one just because I don't feel like I'm built the same as I was when I was 25. <laughs> um, you know, if I'm yeah. human, I'm going to start falling asleep. But I, I I feel like we could maybe have a, a, a chat about the story, like, by Christmas. Is that... Uh, I'd like to think so, yeah. Like, Yeah, I, I'd think so, yeah. I, I'd, I'd definitely cool. strive for it. Like, the thing is, I remember... I remember God of War... I, I think I finished it in a relatively decent amount of time. Obviously, not like mm. the fucking few days that you did. Um, but and the reason was because I fucking squirrel gamed the shit out of that game because I was so into the story and the combat, combat and all the systems. And it it wasn't necessarily rough going. You know, there were challenges here and there, but it was it was pretty smooth. Um, and I'd imagine it to be much the same. On this one, so yeah, I'd be keen on it. Do as yeah. much as I can. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna look up my trophies and try and and try and actually figure it out. Um, but maybe that's for another day. That's getting a bit too niche. <laughs> can't you log into your thing and see what your playtime is? So, um, I can't see the playtime on my phone. I can tell you. Does anyone have um, uh, what time when when the game came out? Uh, the date the game came out. Yeah, I could find that out for you. Uh, yes. Yeah, the date. Uh, April 20th. Yeah. Okay, so I got the, the trophy for fulfilling the last wish. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. I got the trophy for finishing the game at 8.30 on the 23rd. So oh, day three. Three days. Yeah. And wow. I got the platinum at half past two in the morning on the 27th. So the night of the 26th. Okay, that is that is impressive. Yeah, there's no way I'm gonna I'm gonna get anywhere near. Yeah, but again, uh, like that, yeah, that was that was that was no so liking it, which I don't but, uh, recommend anyone to do. Yeah, but I I think by Christmas is is potentially doable. There's the person who is still playing Elden Ring, but there we go. Elden Ring's like a fucking. It's like a 100 hour game. Though. Yeah, literally. Yeah. yeah, exactly. At least this is like you know there's a path. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, um. Yeah. I wonder Elden Ring how long to be. <laughs> yeah, Elden Ring's Elden. Well, because how can you even quantify the kind of like yeah. the side stuff of Elden Ring? Because there's like a hundred no, and something bosses. Yeah, it's hard. So main story, if you just follow the main story, it's 54 hours. Okay. Main and sides, 98 and a half. Completionist, 132. All styles, 106. When yeah, were you yeah. going to finish? When was the thing originally? Because it was last Christmas we were talking about it. And you were going to finish Elden Ring by... I can't remember. You were saying you because th- you were saying no, you were no, no. At- no. You were 
you were going to have to finish uh, Sekiro. Sekiro yeah, by, was, well, by the time it, no, it came out. It, it you was, did finish Sekiro, didn't you? No. <laughs> I think I, you had finished Sekiro. No, the thing was I had to finish Dark Souls, which I did in December. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Then, then I had to finish Sekiro, which I didn't manage to do by the time Elden Ring came out. And on Sekiro, I've only got right, like right. two bosses left, which is the final boss and the final, final optional boss. Um, but yeah, Elden Ring, great game. And and like the most value for money you're ever going to get out of a fucking game. Like, yeah, it's mental. Is it is it though, like if you had one puzzle in a game that you just couldn't solve, I don't think I would say it's the best value game I've no, ever played because I cause couldn't solve it. Because it's not unsolvable, it's just con- density of I didn't content. say an unsolvable puzzle. I'm just saying like a really hard puzzle that you can't solve. No, but it, it, it's because that's not what's making me take a long time to play the game. And it, it's it's density and the quality of the game rather than the challenge or the difficulty. I need to play Elden Ring. Can, can I ask a quick question? And it's also, it like, it launched at £50 or $50, whatever. So, like, I think you, it's, take, you take that into consideration. That is the fucking value of the century. I think I'm going to hate it. But I really want to play it just to see if I hate it. <laughs> Can I ask a question, Chris? Yeah. Within ever within like the realms of feasibility, can God of War Ragnarok be your game of the year this year, or do you think it's nigh on impossible? Oh no, it, it, it's it's got a very hard thing to do to right, beat okay. Elden Ring, but it is possible. Yeah, sure. Like the, you got to remember, like God of War was my game of the year, twenty eighteen. I mean, I think it was all of our game of the year. 2018. It was like joint um, for me. Yeah, fair. But the the thing <clears throat> the thing that really stuck out about God of War 2018 for me was the story beats at a time when my son was just about to be born. So there was a lot of kind of like introspection going on there, which kind of helped push it along for me. It'll be interesting mm. to see like how if how that can continue potentially. Um, but also, like, while I did enjoy previous God of War entries, I was never, like, mad about God of War. And then when I played it, I was, it was almost like a revelation on how much they've, just how far they came and changed the formula. So, yeah, you know, never say Outrageous. Never. Out bloody rageous. Whatever, mate. You hater. Whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, there we go. Ah, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey as we uh, delve deeper into the psyche of a a Super Show game fan. And uh, I think there's nothing else left to say except for I hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. See ya.